going on everybody welcome back to another episode of gms for hire i'm jamil with me is rj and as you guys know it's just us two we're breaking down college football um second week of the committee rankings have dropped um not too much change overall in the rankings a couple things we're going to hit on um to start off that the top four teams remain the same we have alabama notre dame clemson ohio state um nothing too surprising there um but let's get into what these top four teams did uh, last week, we had Alabama take care of Auburn in the rivalry game, the Iron Bowl. We had Notre Dame play North Carolina in a game that was highly anticipated. Our boy RJ was all over that game. Uh, his Tar Heels, Tar Heels fell to the Fighting Irish. Um, at three, Clemson, they came in and they took care of business against Pittsburgh. They got their whole offense back. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looked just like Trevor Lawrence in a game that they didn't really have to do too much of. And coming out for us, Ohio State University, who did not play last week. They are going to play this week. And uh they could be in trouble and the Big Ten could be in trouble, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, we're going to bring on this top four, RJ. Uh, how do you feel about the top four so far? Um, well, yeah, there, there really wasn't going to be much change there. I didn't really think – maybe – the only thing that even crossed my mind was maybe you move Notre Dame up to number one above Alabama just because I think most people realize that North Carolina is better than Auburn. Um, now Alabama blew the doors off of Auburn and Notre Dame, you know, it was close with North Carolina. So I wasn't, you know, I get it why Alabama stayed one Notre Dame two, Clemson, they're back. Uh, you know, now that Trevor Lawrence is back looking like touchdown Jesus, like we know he is, um, the top three. Yeah. But we mentioned Ohio state and how they didn't play this week. And that's their second game now that they have had canceled. And if you get three games canceled in the Big Ten, you are not eligible to play in the Big Ten championship. And so now my question for the committee is, is what is the threshold here? Right now we have Ohio State at four, having only played four games. Meanwhile, Texas A&M and Florida right behind them have played, what, eight, nine? We're getting close to, you know, almost a full schedule for them. What's going to be the threshold? Does, does Ohio State need to miss one more game and not be able to play in the Big Ten Championship, and then are we finally going to have A&M and Florida jump them? Uh, that would be my question. Uh, but really, you, you mentioned, yeah, the top seven didn't even change this week in the rankings, and I, I don't really see a problem with that. Yeah, I'm definitely not too shocked about that. I'm pretty sure you know you talked about how you have more respect for Notre Dame now that they, they beat your Tar Heels and shut down Hill's offense. Uh, go ahead and elaborate a little bit more about that one. Yeah, I mean, we know Notre Dame's great. We all saw what they did against Clemson. That was the biggest game of the year. All the eyes were on it. Um, we all saw what they did against Clemson. But my thinking was going into that game is, can Ian Book play like that again? Because he's going to have to. Because when you go up against Carolina, you have to outscore them. I saw a stat today, actually. I should have wrote it down so I make sure I get it right. But there's only two teams in all of college football that have a top 10 passer, a top 10 rusher, and a top 10 receiver on their team. One of them is Alabama, and the other one's North Carolina. Like, this offense is all gas, no breaks, capable of scoring 40 week in and week out. And so I was thinking this was going to be more of a shootout when Notre Dame came to town. And Notre Dame's defense absolutely showed up 
North Carolina only scored 17 points, and I'm pretty sure all of it was in the first half. Um, they they really impressed me. We were obviously impressed with Notre Dame when they beat Clemson, um, but for me, obviously, I'm a homer with you know being a heels fan. But to watch them go into Chapel Hill in one of the biggest games Carolina has had in football in a very long time and hold that offense to only 17 points. Yeah. Notre Dame really gained a lot of respect with me last Friday. Yeah, definitely. Notre Dame's turning into a complete football team. Um, they're definitely out there doing their thing on, on both sides of the ball. Ian book, you know, a lot of people don't like them, especially some Notre Dame fans that I talked to that I see on Twitter stuff. They don't really like Ian book, but one thing you can't take away from him is that he wins games. Um, Jumping ahead to that, you know, you mentioned the top, the rest of the rankings said the same with A&M, Florida, Cincinnati, Georgia, Iowa State, and Miami closing out the top 10. Um, for me, there's a team missing in this top 10, and uh, I want to talk about them. It's BYU. Um, the second straight week, I feel like they've been disrespected. And uh, last week we talked about it, you know, their strength of schedule isn't the best. You know, who they're playing isn't the best, but we both agreed that they're beating teams bad. This is a team that that's putting up points on points on points. Their defense is allowed 20 points twice all season. Yes. Their best win is only at Boise state. That's their best win. That's the only thing they really have going for them. But I mean, you play who you played to me. Um, obviously the strength of schedule was a huge thing. You know, when you talk about stuff, I feel like strength of schedule um, when you have, when you're undefeated and when you're going up a teams with two losses, I mean, you're undefeated. They have two losses. I feel like you should get a little bit more respect. I'm not saying BYU used to be in the top five, but I feel like BYU should at least be in the top 10. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you can look at all the metrics. You can look at who they play. You can look at who they beat. I, I don't really care. When you turn on the tape and you watch BYU and you watch Zach Wilson and you watch that offense, if you're telling me that BYU isn't one of the 10 best teams in college football, I don't know how to help you. Um, this team is very, very talented. I understand you mentioned their best win being on the road at Boise. Listen, I still think that's a decent win. I don't care. Boise's still a good program, and you go on the road and beat them by, what, 30 or whatever. It's a good win. Um, if, if you don't follow Chris Felica, the Bear, from College Game Day, he, uh, he posted on Twitter. It was during the rankings tonight. He looked at the offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency numbers for all of the top 10 teams, and then he put BYU – and if you look, BYU's efficiencies are right there with most of those teams in the top 10 and are better than quite a few of them. So I don't know, other than looking at the schedule and just making fun of North Alabama and whoever else, I don't know what numbers the committee is looking at to discredit BYU and put them at 13, especially when you've got teams with two losses above them. I mean, Iowa State lost to Louisiana. I understand Louisiana has showed up in the rankings this week at number 25. But, like, how is Iowa State with two losses going to be ranked above BYU? How about Miami? Got the doors blown off of them by Clemson. Georgia got the doors blown off of them twice by Bama and Florida. And you've got all three of these teams above BYU. I get it. They, they haven't played, you know, a Power 5 team. But, like, Look at what they're doing with who they're playing. Yeah, I definitely hear you, Arch. I definitely think they should, they should at least be at 10. Um, it's funny you named a couple of different teams in there. Uh, you mentioned Georgia got their doors blown off them twice. That's what you said. And um, Georgia's sitting there eight with two losses. And this is where um, 
things get kind of tricky. This is where you get the, you know, what, what outweighs what? Do quality losses outweigh some decent wins, quality wins? Do good losses, like what, what does the good losses outweigh in this scenario? And right now it seems like Georgia, they have two good losses and it's outweighing other teams' wins. That's what it's looking like to me right now. You have a Georgia team that's lost to Alabama. They lost to Florida, but they're still sitting at eight. Um, their offense was incompetent before JT Daniels took over. Um, I think it's really mind-boggling that sitting at eight, I definitely see that, you know, SEC bias. So people talk about it all the time, but this is one time I might agree that, you know, should the dogs be at eight? It seems like their quality losses are outweighing everything else right now. Yeah, no, I agree. When you look at it, that, that's always a interesting debate every year. Is it who you lost to or who you beat? Because you can go back and argue, you know, every year of the playoff, who the number four team should have been, whether you look at who they lost to or who they beat. And there's always an argument there. And right now it does look like a quality loss means more than a quality win. Because you mentioned Iowa State right behind them has wins over Oklahoma and Texas, both ranked at the time they beat them, and they're behind Georgia. Uh, Iowa State sitting at number nine, by the way, I don't know how weird things would have to get, but like the big 12, like they're, they're eliminated, but like they're kind of not eliminated because Iowa state is still going to have to play. I'm assuming Oklahoma in the big 12 championship. Yeah. If they went out, they'll get the Sooners. And Oklahoma is sitting at what? 11 or 12. They're 11. Yeah. They're 11. So that's going to be a win over number 11. That's got to be good enough to jump you over Georgia. Okay. What if Bama beats Florida? That might jump you over Florida. Well, what if Notre Dame beats Clemson? That's Clemson's second loss. I, you could have a debate there, I guess. But, like, how? what, what kind of chaos is it going to take to see Iowa State in the playoff? I, I wrote the Big 12 off when Oklahoma State got their first loss. But now seeing Iowa State jump all the way to nine after beating Texas – I'm like, wait a minute here. Like, I, I don't know if they're just trying to promote parity and get people talking, but Iowa State sitting at nine, I, I can't ignore them. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. Me personally, I still think the Big 12's dead. I think even the Big 12 winner, I would still say Texas A&M has a better shot of getting in the playoffs than the their two lost winner out of the Big 12 because A&M's only losses to Alabama, who was probably going to go ahead and take control of the SEC and win it all. So uh, to me, A&M would have uh, – uh, tiebreaker quote over any team in the big 12 but yeah the big 12 they're creeping up you know we wrote Oklahoma off really early but they've bounced back you know they had their two early losses but their offense has kind of gotten rolling um I think it's, it'd be good for them you know to keep dominating the big 12 and to get momentum in the next year um a team also on the top 10 that we that we really didn't hit on is Miami um Miami's a weird team you know they're not out here dominating anybody they're winning games they're not necessarily beating just nasty teams but they're winning games Derek King's playing good football uh, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs by any means, but um, I think it's interesting to see them at 10 uh, with their one loss. Yeah, how, no one's talking about Miami, and it's because everybody's worried about Notre Dame and Clemson and what's going to happen with the rematch in Charlotte in a couple weeks and all that, but North Carolina moved up after losing to Notre Dame. Yeah, that was something that was definitely That's, that's that Miami's next that. game. So what if Miami at home blows the doors off of the potent offense of the Tar Heels. It's like, now how far do you jump Miami? They got blown out by Clemson, so there's no scenario in which they could pass Clemson and get up there for a playoff bid, like you mentioned. But, like, hypothetically, if Notre Dame were to beat Clemson in the ACC championship and Miami wins out, 
that's Miami going to the Orange Bowl and playing a New Year's Six game in their home stadium, and now Clemson falls to another bowl. Yeah, I think that would definitely be big for the Miami program, especially, you know, I know they're going to try to get Derrick King back for next year. But I'm very, very glad that you mentioned your own team, RJ. How in the world do you lose again and move up? You moved up and you lost. I don't get it. Bruh, I don't think I've ever seen that before, honestly. Um, that that was shocking. You know, when they when they do the unveiling, they show, was it 25 through 20 or whatever? And then they go to the next screen and it's, you know, 15 through 19. And I just started laughing. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, we actually just moved up. This offense just was shut down by Notre Dame. And we moved up in the rankings. Now, I did think, if you watch that game, I know we lost by two touchdowns, but we weren't getting blown out. That was a tie game for most of the game. Like, they went head-to-head uh, head head with Notre Dame for 50 minutes till the very end Notre Dame pulled away. So I did think there was a scenario in which North Carolina could stay ranked. But moving up, I mean, I don't know what metric told the committee that they needed to move them up. But when you've got a three-loss North Carolina team above an undefeated Coastal, an undefeated Marshall, undefeated Washington, like we're just out here disrespecting teams now. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, it just goes to show that, you know, it seems like nothing the G5 can do. Like they just can't get any respect. You got two undefeated teams sitting behind a three-loss North Carolina a one loss Wisconsin, Wisconsin, they're still good. Two loss Oklahoma State, they're still good. I don't expect them to hop them, but to be behind a three loss North Carolina, that's um that screams bad to me. Like maybe they just made a mistake. Maybe they're old and they misread. They accidentally put it down and pinned and they couldn't wide it out. I don't know what happened, but that's bad to me. Yeah, no, that that was a tough deal. I I, I really didn't understand it. I don't mind seeing it because now. UNC Miami should be a ranked matchup. That'll be a big deal. Prime time. Um, we'll see. I'm glad you mentioned the group of five, though, because I know the, the, the majority of college football fans look at the top of the rankings and they care about who's going to be in the playoff and things like that. But degenerate college football fans like me and you, I care about like these other little storylines. And I want to bring up the group of five. Tulsa is ranked this week. And Cincinnati is going to get them in back-to-back -back weeks. They're going to play them next week, and then they're going to play them in the American Championship more than likely. If Cincinnati could have two ranked wins, well, one, because I guess Tulsa we, Yeah, will fall I think we out. both know if Tulsa loses that first game, the committee's yeah. taking them right out. They're done. They're going to fall out. They're going to be like, still, Cincinnati, now we can't give them another ranked win. Let's not do that. Cincinnati would have a ranked win now. And if it gets crazy down there at the end and we got to start splitting hairs between Cincinnati and A&M and things like that, Cincinnati would now have a ranked win. So that kind of makes that interesting. But what if Cincinnati loses that game? I still – I said it last week on this that Cincinnati was pretty much a lock for the New Year's Six. And that's probably true. But if you look at Coastal Carolina's schedule, all right. Big game this weekend. Huge they're game gonna, yeah. and, my, and Myrtle Beach. Game day they coming got, through. They got the chance are hyped. Game day. Dude, they are hyped. Huge you game. Got Liberty coming in, who's 9-1, and one, who, by the way, should be the undefeated. I think they should be undefeated. Should be ranked. Too. Yeah. Well, they should be ranked because yeah. why is Oregon ranked? They should have lost hey, well, to UCLA. I'm, we're going to get to the Pac-12 right after this, too. 
Oregon does not need to be ranked. You should have Liberty in the rankings, and this should be a ranked matchup in Conway, South Carolina on Saturday because Coastal would then have a win over a 9-1 and Liberty. And then I mentioned earlier that Louisiana is ranked. Well, that's who Coastal is going to play in the Sun Belt Championship. So Coastal is going to have two big wins these next couple weeks. If Cincinnati does fall against Tulsa, is there going to be enough of a drop and are those coastal wins going to mean enough where we could make it close and at least have a discussion? Again, I said it last week. I want to see the Chanticleers in a New Year's Six game. Give me a peach bowl with Coastal Carolina versus, like, Georgia or something. Like, let's see it. You want to talk about a high-scoring game, JT Daniels, against that Coastal Carolina offense? Let's see a high-scoring shootout-type deal in Atlanta. Yeah, you know, I think – I think a lot of fans, you know, they always say that, you know, it'd be a waste of time, but I feel like, you know, give us these games so we can actually see it. You know, they say, you know, Georgia's pro defense versus little old Coastal Carolina. If Coastal can put up points, then maybe you can start a conversation of, all right, maybe let's give these guys a chance. But um, usually it goes the way the big dogs will actually not even, it's, it's really split. You know, sometimes the big dogs get them. Sometimes they don't show up and the little yeah. team wins and they say, oh, they didn't try. So, um, you know, you never you can get it right, it feels like, with these. But, yeah, I would not mind at all seeing a team like Coastal Carolina or even Cincinnati get a shot at one of the top teams. And um, that leads us, you know, you mentioned Oregon. Let's talk about the Pac-12 real quick. Um, we mentioned last week we didn't see a scenario where they made the playoffs. I said the Pac-12 would have to the, – the top two teams, USC and Oregon, would have to destroy teams to even get mentioned. And um, one didn't play and one lost. So mm – -hmm. I definitely think the Pac-12 has all been eliminated now. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and get them out of here. But now Washington sitting there three and zero with a win over Utah. It's like all right. I'm yeah, they had their own. The they've had their own comeback wins this season, so they're trying to make some noise. But um, yeah, I still uh, say the Pac-12 is dead. Well, and, and they're going to end up with the same problem that Ohio State could have, and that's number of games played. Yeah, I'm glad uh, you mentioned that because that's going to get right into the Big Ten right after that. That's I think that's the exactly. big storyline of the week. Exactly. That, yeah, I'm very interested to see what the Big Ten does here. Yeah, so, you know, we mentioned the Big Ten pre-show, but let's just talk about it right now. You know, Ohio State sitting at four, we assume they'll win the Big Ten, but uh, in the Wards League course, we'll hit it not so fast, my friend, because uh, Indiana and Northwestern, the, the next two best teams are sitting at 12 and 14. Northwestern just lost. Indiana won, but Indiana lost their quarterback, Michael Penix Jr. Um, so that, that hurts their chances, but you know, like we said very early on, Ohio State has a very, very real possibility of not playing the Big Ten title game, and it would be Indiana versus Northwestern the way it's set up right now. And if Ohio State does not play in the Big Ten championship, will they put them in the, the college football playoff with six games played? Um, I personally don't think they should get in with six games played, but me knowing how the system works, think they will get in. I think the committee will say, that they are, they, they've showcased they are a top four team and they'll just throw them in. And to me, that's not fair to all the teams that have played eight, nine games this season that have grinded through this COVID season to, to just let Ohio State go in. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I said before the Big Ten even started playing, I thought Ohio State needed to go undefeated to even be considered for the playoff because that has to matter. The number of games you play has to matter. Because if it doesn't matter, what kind of precedent are we setting here now? 
where a team can be like non-conference games? No, we don't want those. We're just going to roll eight games. We're going to be healthier come January for the bowls. Screw that. That's not – uh-uh. This would not be good for college football if Ohio State can go out there, only play six games, and get a shot at winning a national championship, having played three or four less games than the other three teams in the playoff. That's not fair, and I don't want to see that. Now, I'm going to go ahead and throw out another prediction on here. I don't think we're going to have to worry about it because I honestly think Clemson is going to beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship, and they both get in. And I think Florida is going to outscore Alabama in the SEC championship. And I think both of those get in. It's funny, back in June, July, August, whenever it was, Steve Spurrier was quoted by saying, if these other conferences ain't going to play, that's fine. Just let the ACC and the SEC play because one of them is going to win the national championship anyway. Well, we could literally see a four-team playoff that has two ACC and two SEC schools, and I'd be totally fine with it because I think those are the four best teams in the country. I definitely think that can happen. You know, me and you, we talked about the scenario a lot over the past two weeks. I definitely think that's not out of their own possibility for both those teams to win and both those teams to get in. I definitely think if Ohio State only plays their four games, that that should be the top four. If Ohio State plays five to six games, they don't have enough games to, to get in. In my opinion, I think we should roll out those teams. Um, I think it's definitely going to be interesting, though. Um, all eyes are going to be on the committee in Ohio State over the next few weeks because Ohio State doesn't play this week. Like you said, we'll see can Florida or A&M get the hop over them in the rankings. But as we know, it doesn't matter where you're at right now. It matters where you're at in the end because the committee will just change their whole mind up. But I think that's the oh, biggest storyline exactly. to watch right now for sure. Oh, exactly. Yeah, no, the, the, the entire playoff this year is centered around Ohio State. If they lose a game, it's easy they're out. But if they do go undefeated and they only play five or six, whatever it happens to be, we are going to have an interesting, a very heated debate come championship weekend. It's going to get wild. Yeah. So, but I want to look back. The, uh, the, the chair of the committee today on the, uh, on the show when they did the unveiling, he said they went back and they looked at the last data point that Ohio State gave them. So the last game that Ohio State played, and they felt that Ohio State looked good enough to stay in the number four spot. So the Indiana game. The Indiana game, that game where they gave up though. a million yards. But that game was so sloppy. Exactly. Yeah, dominating the first half, then the Indiana they start playing just as sloppy as Indiana, and then Indiana start playing just as good as the Ohio State played in the beginning. Exactly. Like that, to me, the that they showcase that they showed their flaws in that game. In my in my opinion, their their secondary was getting shredded. Yeah, exactly. Their secondary gave up you know six hundred yards or whatever it was, and Justin Fields threw three interceptions. And that's the last data point you have of Ohio State, and you're telling me that that performance was good enough to keep them at number four. Like, come on now, don't 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 hit me that. I just the committee has always pissed me off the whole six years we've had one I don't like the the concept of it especially I don't like the concept of somebody with a full-time job supposedly watching enough college football to tell me who the four best teams are you go and look at who's on the committee it's all current athletic directors 
these guys have full-time jobs Monday through Friday. They don't have time to be going back watching film of all the games they didn't watch. If you want to have a real committee, get a bunch of retired coaches, retired players, and get some members of the media. Like, give me Kirk Herbstreet. Give me Joel Clack. Give me Brady Quinn, David Pollock. Give me some of those guys that watch way more football than an athletic director who has to sit behind a desk and, you know, sign papers all week. Like, I, I, I've never understood the makeup of this committee, how they think it works, because I swear it doesn't. Yeah, um, I have a lot of problems with the committee as well. You honestly get a lot of things I have in the, I've hit. You hit a lot of things in the head that I feel the same way about. Um, and it's not just me and you. It's a lot of people out there. They don't. Since there's no clear criteria on what you need to do to get into the playoffs, no one knows. You, the only thing you can do is go undefeated. And that's the only way you can guarantee yourself in unless you're a G5 team. And unless I've said from the start, the G5 will never, ever make the playoffs in this format. It is set up for you not to go. And it's set up for you to be good. You'll get your New Year's Six Bowl game, but you're not making the playoffs because as long as four other teams go undefeated with you, you're getting the short end of the stick. And even if you lose one loss, their one loss will always weigh more than yours, in, in my opinion. And I think that's the way they've shown it to be. So until we get some sort of expansion, either via the playoffs or a conference expansion, I think a lot of these teams are going to be screwed, which is sad because, you know, I feel like there's a lot of good ball in the G5. There's a lot of good players. If you truly go watch the game, you'll see that there's a lot of great players in these leagues. There's there this year, great quarterbacks out of BYU, Cincinnati, and um, – Coastal Carolina, great, great quarterback play, you know, which is what this game court, the game is, is off the quarterback. If your quarterback is good. You always have a chance to win. Your offense is humming. You have a chance to outscore people. Um, it's the most important position in the game. And um, these teams all have great leaders at quarterback. So if you haven't watched these teams, I urge you to go watch these teams play. These are fun teams to watch. These guys can play the game. Um, and I hope they do in this uh, playoff, not the playoff in this bowl season, they get a chance to play some of these top ranked teams. So, you know, we can see what's going on. Yeah, no, I love that when a group of five gets to play a power five and it makes the committee look bad. You mentioned one thing you said, watch the games and you'll see how good they are. There's my problem. The committee doesn't watch football. I've said it for six years and I'm not coming off of it. I'm going to get t-shirts made. that say the committee does not watch football because I swear they don't. Yeah. Um, sometimes it seems like they don't, especially, you know, since you just said their, their points on Ohio state, you know, I, I feel like Ohio State, I mean, I can see why they're still four over AM in Florida, but when you told, when that's their reasoning, like, you know, it's kind of tough pill to swallow. So definitely think that the one to watch for is Ohio State. They're not going to play again this week. Let's see if they get hopped. Yeah. If they, well, if they don't play again this week, well, I'm pretty sure Michigan. it's already canceled versus Illinois. Well, no, that was, that was last week. This week they get Michigan State. Oh, yeah. Well, We'll see if they don't happens. play that game, the, yeah, their season might be over. But one last thing on Ohio State. Let's say they play this week against Michigan State, and let's say all eyes are pointing to the game. Kirk Herbstreit said it on the show tonight, and I don't want to sound like I'm copying him, but I actually made this exact same point to a couple of my best friends a few days ago. Jim Harbaugh and Michigan – they know they cannot beat Ohio State. No. They are going to get smoked. I mean, they are going to get the absolute doors blown off of them. Why not say you have COVID and cancel that game? That's your only way to screw Ohio State this year. You're not going to beat them. You might as well just cancel the game 
and screw Ohio State out of a Big Ten championship. You know, That's that the be best wild. thing Jim Harbaugh can do. That would be his going away gift because I don't see a way exactly. he comes back next year either. I saw that uh, next year is going to be the final year on his contract. So I guess they could just bring him back one more year and then not re-sign him like, uh, like Jason Garrett and the Cowboys. But I don't know. It's, uh, that's going to be a tough deal. I feel like at this point, it's just uh, both parties will just do better by getting a clean break. You know, Harbaugh, obviously he struggled in Michigan, but let's not act like he's not going to just pick up another job somewhere else, honestly. Honestly, I think the NFL would come calling back for him, and Michigan would go ahead and, and – I know Matt Campbell's a popular name for that job because he has those ties up in the Midwest. So um, it would definitely be interesting to see what they do. And if, you know, Kirk Herbstreit, if you and him are on the right track and see if Michigan does, in fact, do that, would be very interesting. That would be hilarious. And I'm sorry, there's always a debate on what's the best rivalry in college football. Well, in my opinion, when Harvey Updike poisoned the trees at Auburn University, there's no way anybody can have a better rivalry than Alabama-Auburn. If Jim Harbaugh cancels the game to screw Ohio State out of winning the Big Ten, Michigan-Ohio State's coming back, and they're going to be right there with the Iron Bowl (laughs) for me. Bro, before we end that, when he poisoned the trees, bro, that, that phone call where he called Feinbaum is so, bro, it's so. Well, let me tell you what I did, Paul. <laughs> I poisoned the trees. You, you did what now? I poisoned the trees. Is that, is that legal? <laughs> Do you think I care? Roll Tide. <laughs> they put that scam Newton jersey on Bear Bryant. You know what I did? Oh, man. March down right Ooh. there. Poison the trees. <laughs> that was the most oh, wild thing, man. I still bro, can't believe there's- there's nothing like college football. That's the best. There really isn't. The fandom's wild. But um, until next week where we come up with more rivalry stories, we talk about more tree poisoning, we break down the rankings. I'm Jamil. That is RJ. RJ.